Well, thank you everybody for joining us. I'm Father Chris Alar here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you with us from around the world, and uh, especially our guests. I guess some of you are joining us from Lebanon. And so we have a great saint today, as you saw on your screen, Saint Charbel. And he's an amazing saint, and we're going to talk about him today. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send the Holy Spirit down upon us to guide us, bless us, and protect us, and through the intercession of St. Charbel, to heal us of any ills of the mind, body, or soul. We ask this through the intercession of St. Faustina, Mary, and all the saints, and through the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so this is, to me, a very uh, not as well-known saint as we should have, but as I mentioned, an incredible saint. You know, people always ask, Father, how do I know who my patron saint is? Okay, patron saints can come in different ways. A patron saint can be based off of your name. So if you are uh, named Teresa, you, your patron saint could be St. Therese or Mother Teresa or, uh, you know, anything for the male or female name. It could also be one that shares a feast day with your birthday. There's different ways that we can get a patron saint, but there is a little known way that you can get a patron saint, and that is they're assigned to you, and you don't even know it. And God will keep bringing that saint to you. I felt that way about St. Rita when I was a seminary. And every time I turned around, somebody was handing me a prayer card to St. Rita or giving me a prayer to St. Rita. And then I found out she's the patron saint of impossible causes. <laughs> and then I realized that's why the Lord is giving me St. Rita. Well, hopefully we all know God gives these as gifts. And St. Charbel has been popping up coming up, constantly being known, if it isn't mentioned in a, a conversation or if it isn't talked about in an interview or if it isn't a book that I randomly pick up in the library, it seems to be St. Charbel. Now this is St. Charbel, some of you know C-H-A-R-B-E-L or S-H-A-R-B-E-L. And so he keeps coming. Now he is one of the biggest power hitters in the history of the church, and people don't know about him. You know, this is debatable because we can never know the answer. Of course, the most saint who brings the most miracles in the history of the church is obviously Mary and Joseph. But after Mary and Joseph, and we're not talking about the archangels or St. Michael or something like that, but of the canonized human saints, it's arguable who has brought the most miracles? But I find this very interesting in every conversation is St. Charbel. Some claim he is the most miracles are attributed to him in the history of the church, 26,000. 26,000. Now others, the Dominicans will correct me and say, no, 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 St. Vincent Ferrer. He had over 80,000. Well, we don't know. But in every conversation, there is St. Charbel. And that is a powerful guide. Now let's look at our next slide. 
He is from Lebanon. And you can see the slide here of his picture. This is his feast day. Now, what are we doing him today? Okay, his feast day is July 24th, which is tomorrow. But since it falls on a Sunday, we don't liturgically celebrate him. So guess what, everybody? We're celebrating him today. And the feast, uh, the power and the graces will be there with you. He's an amazing saint. So anyway, he's from Lebanon and he's a Maronite priest. A lot of people will tell us, oh, Father, you're with the Maronite fathers, the Marianist fathers, the Maris fathers. No, Marian fathers. So he's from a different rite. It's called the Eastern Rite, but still Catholic. Underneath the papacy, this is part of the Eastern Rite Catholics. You've heard of Byzantines or Coptics. This is along those lines. Now, it's different from the Orthodox like the Russian Orthodox or the Greek Orthodox that are not in communion with Rome. We did a talk on that a while ago. They split in 1054. Now, Constantinople was the center of the East. Now is Istanbul, Turkey, okay? But that doesn't mean God's grace isn't still there. This is. Now, the Maronites are Catholic. And this saint was canonized by Paul VI, the Catholic Pope. Now, he's a Maronite. Now, what is it about Maronites? They go back to St. Maron, M-A-R-O-N. Now, he was a Syrian hermit. Now, Syria is really the true place where Jesus walked. Jesus walked. He goes back to the 4th century, late 4th century, and then there was St. John Maron, who was the patriarch of Antioch in the 7th century. <clears throat> And so this is kind of where they trace their backs root, uh, backs, uh, or I should say roots back to. Now let's take a look at our next slide. Here is a picture of the patriarch of Antioch. And by the way, if you're here with us, you can join us on our slides at uh, Divine Mercy YouTube channel. Now there's the patriarch of Antioch. Now he is the spiritual head of the Maronite church after the Pope, not in place of the Pope, like the Orthodox, after the Pope, all right, and he resides near Beirut, all right, a lot of prayers needed, a lot of tension in the history of Beirut. Now, let's look even our next slide. This church retained the ancient Syrian liturgy. Oh, would I love to go to that. I'd love to partake in it, but I would just stumble and get in the way of, of the priests. But this ancient West Syrian liturgy is incredible. I saw, I watched some of it online. I'm like, wow. And so anyway, it's spoken in Syriac. The language, even though the vernacular tongue of the Maronites is Arabic. So a lot of tradition is being held here. Now some of the priests are married. If they get married before they are ordained, okay, they can be married, but they've had a good relationship with Rome. Now, let's talk about St. Charbel. Okay, very, very amazing priest, as I keep saying. He was born, as I said, in Lebanon in 1828, all right? His name was Yusuf Anton Makhlouf. His name was Yusuf, and he was the youngest of five children, his dad died when he was only three, so he had a tough start. Anyway, Yusuf studied at the Paris school, and you know what his job was? He's a lot like Faustina. He was in a farm, just like Faustina. Remember, her job was to break up dirt clods, 
and they were talking about when Faustina wanted to enter the convent, they only had one cow, and her dad didn't want her to enter the convent. He didn't want to give up the cow because that was everything to the, fa to the family. Well, same with Yusef. He took care of the cow. And you know what he would do? He would sneak off with the cow and take the cow down to the grotto. <laughs> Holy cow. Sorry, I didn't mean that. Don't mean that disrespectfully. But that's what he did. He took the cow down to the grotto. So anyway, it's a lot like Faustina. Then he engaged in a lot of prayer, solitude at an early age. He loved the outdoors. And basically his mom, all good moms, wanted him to marry so he would have grandchildren. At 23, he left home, which was kind of late, you know, even uh, in, in back then. But anyway, in 1851, and he never said a word, just like Faustina. When Faustina left her home, she left basically without telling them either. It's not a sign of disrespect. It just comes to when God calls you, you got to follow. You know, people get confused on that passage in the Bible that unless you hate your mother and your father, your brothers and sisters, you cannot be my disciple. I've had actually people say to me, that's why I'm not Christian. I could never do that. No, no. God does not mean hate in the sense of despise or detest. The original language of you must hate your mother or father doesn't mean that. It means love less. It still means you love them. You love your mother, father, your brother, sister like this, but you got to love God the most. And that's what Faustina did, and that's what Charbel did. Okay, so let's look at our next slide. He entered the monastery, and this is a beautiful monastery, at Our Lady of Mayfolk, and this was where he became a novice. What an incredible monastery. I, another place. I got all these places all over the, around the world. Please let me go, Lord. But anyway, he was a novice for two years. Then in 1853, he went to the famous St. Marin Monastery, where he pronounced his vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And you've heard me say, why forever have the vows been taken of poverty, chastity, and obedience to overcome the small g gods of the world, sex, money, and power? Take the vow of chastity to overcome the God of the world of sex. We take the vow of poverty to overcome the God of the world of money. We take the vow of obedience to overcome the God of the world of power. So that's what he did. Now he became Brother Charbel, even though his name was Yusef. Why? Because Charbel was a second century martyr in Antioch. Right where this was, near where it was. Now he was ordained in 1859. So he's a priest and a monk. And he served the monastery for 19 years, showing great devotion to prayer, work, and contemplation. Now, his superior started to know something natural, a supernatural about him. So he became known as a wonder worker. Now, here's what's interesting. He worked a lot of miracles and wonders with not just Christians, but United Christians and Muslims, because he was in that area of tension. You know, he was known for many miracles, yet people never saw his face. Kind of interesting, huh? So I think it's Jesus himself. But you never saw his face while he was alive. He would always look down. Even in the picture we already showed of him, he's looking down. He always looked down when he was in church, at work, or even walking, looking at the ground. <clears throat> Excuse me. Always looking at the ground. Why? Well, he only lifted his eyes to heaven. So it's like he'd look down in humility and go right past this level where we all live 
and would only look up into heaven. So they didn't see his face. Also, when he was in church, he always faced the altar. Back when the mass was, the whole issue of Vatican II and Ad Orientum. But anyway, in 1875, he was granted permission to become a solitary monk in a nearby heritage. Now he's devoted to the Blessed Virgin Mary and spent the last 23 years of his life as a hermit, wrote about his temptations. He had temptations just like we do. People think a monk that looks like this guy and makes miracles like this guy must never have struggled. He did. His two biggest uh, struggles, wealth and comfort. Wealth and comfort. He doesn't look it. But anyway, Charbel taught the value of poverty, self-sacrifice, obedience, chastity, prayer, all by the way he lived his life. This began to bear fruit. He started levitating. <laughs> like, whoa, there's a holy man seeing him levitate. And he did other mystical experience. The, you know, though is this, I mean, he was a hermit. This is true. But he said he had a place in the world. A lot of times we read about the hermits. They say nothing to do with the world. Flee the world. And that's good. Actually, he was different. He said, I have a place in the world. The world had a great place in his heart. But what was the role? His prayer and his penance that he offered as a sacrifice was so that the world could return to God. <clears throat> so this is what he did. Now, he was very devoted to the Eucharist, so much so that he had a stroke and died on Christmas Eve 1898 at age 70. Now, here's where it gets good. He dies. They have his body in the church the night he died. And one of the monks who came to visit the tabernacle, can you imagine you're visiting the tabernacle? And there's the monk laying right there. And he came at midnight and he saw a light surrounding the tabernacle and St. Charbel's body. He saw this bright light. Later, another light after he was buried was seen for like 45 days over his tomb, seen by many people. So they opened the tomb. Let's take a look at this picture. That's his incorruptible body. That's the body of St. Charbel. His body was exhumed multiple times. Now, church authorities found him completely incorrupt. So his grave was opened. Now, it ended up being opened four times in the 1950s. Now, here's what's interesting. When they opened it, they noticed that his body bled. It still had flexibility. It was just like it was alive. And guess what they found flowing Oh, man. Flowing in his body. Blood and water. Blood and water. This man had been dead for decades. And they found flowing blood and water inside him. Amazing. Experts and doctors weren't able to give any medical explanation for this incorruptibility. And not just incorruptibility, the flexibility. It was just like touching another person. Amazing. So his body reportedly remained intact for more than 40 years after his death. 
Now, reports then show that the last time it was uh, uh, examined was 1976. Then it was found decomposed. Now, people and all us Catholics go, oh, okay. So it must not have been really genuine. Otherwise, he wouldn't have decomposed. Well, tell you what. We're going to watch a 58-second video by Father Mark Goring, one of our good friends of our Marian community, a great priest out of Canada, and man, does Canada need good priests right now. Please, you Canadians, support Father Mark Goring. This is a man of the truth, a man of, 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 of holiness, and I want to show you a quick little clip that he did on St. Charbel. He's talking about St. Charbel here. It's only 58 seconds. So let's take a look. Some people don't understand, like, well, well why would the saint only remain incorrupt for a number of years and then return to dust? Two reasons, I think. One is, it's kind of like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus came back to life, but eventually he would have grown old and died like everyone else. And so too, you know, when Jesus heals someone, eventually the person dies. And so I think it's a sign to us that, yes, every one of us is going to return to dust one day. But it doesn't mean that life is over. As Jesus promised us, he will raise us up on the last day. And St. Charbel is a wonderful sign of the resurrection of the body that we proclaim in the Apostles' Creed. Okay, so that's a great clip, is again, a great priest, Father Mark Goring. Now, St. Charbel's tomb has been a site of pilgrimages ever since his death. Thousands of miracles have been attributed to him, as we said, not just in Lebanon, but around the world. So what happened? Paul VI beatified him in 1965, right after Vatican II. I think he may have been the first beatification after Vatican II. So we need your help, St. Charbel. Called him the Eastern Catholic Hermit. Then he was canonized in 1977 by the same Pope Paul VI. Now, <clears throat> we should pray to him. Pray to him. What big intention? I think there's two. One, bring the East and Western churches back together. Bring the Orthodox back into communion. Please, St. Charbel, we ask your intention or your intercession for that. And also for the Muslims. Not that we can find... Uh, a common dialogue and sacrifice our beliefs and accept half of theirs and give up half of ours? No. So that they will be enlightened to the truth and accept Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So anyway, Lebanon is one of the most Christian countries of the entire Near East, in the Middle East. And miracles are abounding there right now. Remember Jesus said where sin abounds? Grace will abound even the more. Why is it that all this craziness going on with Muslims beheading terrorists, uh, Muslim terrorists beheading Christians, and in the midst of all this, there's all these phenomenal miracles happening in Lebanon. You know, I'd like to take a second right now to acknowledge a special person that you all know from our live streams, Mark Massery. 
Mark Mastery, I'm not going to say was a member of our family, is a member of our family. Mark Mastery was an incredible employee when he was with us, but I think he's even more so spiritually with us. Mark passed away and he was Lebanese. And Mark Mastery was an amazing example of the kind of spirit I think you would find in St. Charbel. He loved everybody. He always had a smile. The only difference was Mark did look at you. He didn't, he didn't put his hand down or his head up. He did look. And what an incredible guy he is. And I want to show you a picture, and we're honored to have Jim Massery, Mark's father, with us uh, here in the back. God bless you, Jim. Thank you for coming today. We love you, and we know Mark's looking out for us. And I'd like to show you a beautiful picture that Jim sent to me. This is a picture of Mark and his picture in Lebanon. And the beautiful part of it is he now has St. Charbel as his companion. They had two 40-day Melkite masses. Now, this is a picture of him at the foot there and his pictures at the base there in Lebanon. They had two 40-day Melkite masses offered for Mark in the mountains of Lebanon, not far from where St. Charbel lived. How awesome. How awesome. And so Jim, being of Lebanese background, was talking about the names even of the monasteries where the name Mastery comes from. How beautiful. And so today I ask all of you, please say a prayer through the intercession of St. Charbel that Mark Mastery is right now in peace and harmony with our Lord Jesus Christ. And may God use Mark to continue to bless us and especially Lebanon. Christians are hanging on in Lebanon more than any other country in the Near East, the Middle East. St. Charbel has something to do with that. God bless Mark Mastery, their family from Lebanon. And hello to all of the relatives of Mark that are watching right now in Lebanon. Jim told us that he had contacted them. So what an amazing family, huh? That we are part of. And thank you to Jim for being a spiritual father, not only to Mark, but to us. And so I just wanted to take a moment to share that with you all. So thank you. Let's talk now real quickly about the graces and healings from the monastery of St. Mirren. Okay, this is the sanctuary of St. Charbel. Let's take a look at our next slide. There is an incredible picture of St. Mirren. Now, since 1950, part of the reason why we may think that he has the most miracles <clears throat> after Mary and Joseph is because the monks of St. Mirren in Anaya, the place in Lebanon, have not stopped recording the miracles and which ones have medical statements and the graces attributed to the intercession of St. Charbel. I, I think that's awesome. So most of the healings are cases that are classified under incurable or malignant. 
We're not talking, gee, I had a broken hangnail here and all of a sudden it feels pretty good. <laughs> no, we're talking incurable and malignant diseases. Each way of healing differs from case to case. This is what's so amazing about St. Charbel. Listen to this. Thousands of cures and miracles through prayer alone, others through visiting the tomb, others through his blessed oil, or by wearing, this is going to be really interesting, I want to talk about this, wearing a cassock from St. Mirren Monastery. Then there was participating in the Mass at the monastery or visiting his tomb, as we said, or reciting the Novena prayer, which I'm going to lead you through at the end of this talk. Wow, a lot of graces. So these healings are not just about the body, but include the soul. Corrupted by sin as we are, and our misbehaviors that have caused us distance from God, countless visitors have repented and come back to God through this saint. The way that leads to God after visiting St. Mirren's. So, there is one common link to all these miracles. Faith that this saint can help you. It's one thing to just ask for prayers. But if you're like me, we've all been there. There are times when you ask for prayers, but somehow in the back of your mind or in the bottom of your heart, you're not really believing it. You're not really believing a miracle is going to happen. Even Jesus couldn't work miracles. Why? Because they had no faith. Everything is dependent on if you truly believe. And remember, belief is an act of the will. You don't even have to feel this emotion like, oh, oh my gosh, I believe, I believe. That's great if you do. But assent, just simply make an act of the will. Lord, I don't understand it. But I'm going to make an act of the will to assent my will. To believe that you can heal and you will. And if you don't, there's a greater reason that you will allow it. So let's talk about some of these miracles. Amazing. St. Charbel is best known, as I said, for his miracles, both during his life and after his death, not just after his death. So again, in Lebanon, where 60% of the population is Muslim and 35% are Christian, they might not sound a lot, that's the highest in the entire part of that world. 35% Christian. Most of them are Maronite Catholics. And St. Charbel is the all-star. Let's take a look at our next slide. This is the shrine of St. Charbel. Now, Jim Mastery shared with us that Mark was at the hermitage. Wow. How powerful is that? And so this is the shrine of St. Charbel and Anaya, and it receives roughly 4 million visitors a year. And we at the shrine are going, oh my gosh, we got two buses today. What are we going to do? <laughs> 4 million. 4 million. Since 1950, the monastery began, as I said, to formally record the miraculous healings. They have archived over 20, well, I said 26,000, 
An updated number is 29,000. He can help you. But you got to believe. You got to have faith. If you don't, it's not going to happen. Jesus couldn't even work miracles in his hometown, as I said, because the faith of the people was not there. But others have it. You know what my favorite one is? Many, many witnesses. Thousands were there on his feast day a couple decades ago. And there's the statue of St. Charbel. And they're all looking at the statue. They're all gazing upon it, praying, and it must have been the faith of those few that were there that had faith. And St. Charbel went up his statue and blessed the crowd. <laughs> his statue actually blessed the people present. I mean, half the people probably like, ah! And the other half probably weren't surprised because it was an act of faith. They believe. This doesn't mean we're worshiping the statue. No, all this grace comes from God. We know that as Catholics. All right. So anyway, the witnesses saw him bless the crowd and several miracles were granted. Paralytics could walk, blind, could see. And I want to share a couple of these with you. Probably one of the most famous. Let's go to our next picture. And, and please, I apologize. I really, really get roughed up because I mispronounce. Okay, but here's the point that I have not said before and I'd like to clarify. I go to theologians, scholars, I even go to YouTube. Sometimes you hear two, three, four different pronunciations of the same place, same name. So I pick one. And if that's not the way you pronounce it, I'm sorry. But I have researched this to the best of my ability, and many of these have multiple pronunciations. So if you don't agree with it, I'm sorry. I, 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 it's all I can say. But please, I, I, I'm trying on the pronunciations. But Nohad El-Shami was a 55-year-old woman that you see there on your screen who was completely healed from paralysis. Paralysis to me. You know why I think God didn't give me paralysis? Because he knows I couldn't handle it. I'm not strong enough. To those who have it, God bless you. God doesn't give us any more than we can handle. And I'm convinced that's why I wasn't given it. I'm not strong enough. And those who have it, Praise be to God, because God gave you a special share in his cross. It's not just paralysis, terminal illnesses, tragedies. And so this woman had paralysis. In 1993, she dreamt, this is amazing. She had a dream that two Maronite monks showed up standing next to her bed. Now, one put his hands on her neck and began to operate on her. <laughs> now, I would think that would be Cyril and Methodius. I would be like, Cyril and Methodius, you're here to operate on me because they were the doctors. No? Or was that Cosmos and Damien? Sorry, I think I got that mixed up. But anyway, these two monks 
put their hands, one on her neck, and operated on her, while the other monk held the pillow behind her neck. When she woke up, there were two large wounds in her neck. Let's take a look at this picture again. This is her. This is her. There were two large wounds in her neck, one on each side. And her family saw this. She was completely healed and completely recovered her ability to walk. She knew that this was St. Charbel, but she didn't really recognize who the other monk was. So the next night, St. Charbel appeared to her and said this, I did the surgery, and through the grace of God, you were healed to let people see and return to the faith. This is why Jesus worked miracles. I ask you to visit the hermitage. This is where Mark Mastery was. On the 22nd of every month and attend mass there regularly the rest of your life. People gather there now every month on the 22nd. So if you're ever in Lebanon on the 22nd, make sure you get to the hermitage and attend mass there. Amazing. So this priest, Father Louis Matar, he's the Maronite priest who keeps a tally of the miracles, says right now, miracles have skyrocketed. This very moment, I think that's a sign of something. Where grace abounds, God grace abounds even the more, yeah. But Jesus said, now is the time of mercy. Please don't let it pass you by because after the time of mercy will come the time of justice. Now, take advantage of it. So there are 26 to 29,000 miracles that they have registered. And he said, we're seeing more miracles in these past two years than we have in the past two decades. Something's going on. Now, let's talk about, real quick, the approved miracles for beatification and his canonization. Let's look at our next slide. In 1925, Iskander Obied, he was a blacksmith, was working when a piece of metal damaged his eye. He further damaged the eye 12 years later and no longer was able to see out of his right eye. Doctors recommended to remove his eye. He refused, despite the horrible pain that this guy was in. All the way to 1950, so 25 years later, he interceded or asked. The key is to ask. And he said, I believe that St. Charbel could cure him. So one night after prayer, he saw Charbel in the same way in a dream. So now remember, if you have a dream tonight where a monk comes to you, this is probably who it is. The saint, Charbel, asked Iskander to make a pilgrimage to his monastery in Anaya. Now, when he arrived, he first did what? He didn't go to the hotel. He didn't go to the restaurant to check his, to get his food. He went to confession and mass. That's the key. You want a miracle? You got to bake the soil for God to plant the seed. That night, he spent time praying in front of Charbel's tomb. The next morning, he awoke, and there was no pain in his eye. So this is why it was approved, because an entire medical board of examiners 
was assembled and confirmed that his, un, his eye had undergone complete and miraculous healing and regeneration, which that's what was crazy. So this miracle was confirmed for the first miracle of his beatification. All right, he was beatified in 1965. Now let's go back to another one. Let's look at the next picture. And this is Sister Mary Abel Kamari. This is a nun. In 1936, she suffered from a serious internal condition, this beautiful nun. Her pancreas, gallbladder, and kidney were stuck together. Unheard of. Causing uncontrolled problems, vomiting, paralyzation. She underwent multiple unsuccessful surgeries. So after hearing of St. Charbel, she interceded, asked for his intercession, and like, exactly like Iskander, she said, I believe. I truly believe in my heart that you can and will help me. And if I'm not cured, you've helped me because I know it'll be a greater good. So anyway, she asked for his help. Again, this is the key. He blessed her in a dream. And later she visited St. Charbel's grave in Lebanon. So she visited the grave. No sooner, this is amazing. She touched the grave and this electric current like went down her back. And while she was praying near his body, check this out. This is like a movie of Hollywood. On the granite stone began to carve the name Charbel. And the people with her are like, ah. I mean, that looks demonic, doesn't it? No. No. The name Charbel started to carve right into the granite that she was praying at. Then drops started to appear from the tile, the granite, and she wiped it with her scarf and it rubbed it on her body. All of a sudden, instantly cured. Instantly. Now the same thing. Detailed, detailed medical analysis came in. They took all her past records analyzed it, formed a committee, medical test, confirmed her miraculous healing. Sister Maria's healing was one of the miracles confirmed by the church for her beatification. Because remember, two for the beatification, one for canonization. So those are the two for her beatification. Now, between 1963 and 1965, there's another one. Miriam Awad underwent several surgeries for cancer. Cancer had spread to her stomach, her intestines, and her neck. Then her tonsils became infected with cancer. At this point, she said, St. Charbel, I believe. Notice this common denominator. I have faith. So she turned to him. The cancerous gross made it impossible for her to even swallow. Incredibly painful. Very painful. So Miriam asked Charbel, Listen to this. This is the key. This is how we should make every prayer. She asked Charbel for either a miraculous cure or the grace to bear the suffering. Wow. Wow. 
Saint Charbel, please cure me and either give me a miraculous cure or the grace to bear the suffering. Wow. So anyway, the next couple nights she prayed, provide me with the cure to this disease, please. But God's will be done. You are a great saint who has cured the blind and allowed the lame to walk. I have faith that I will recover from this illness, and when I do, I will go and thank you in your shrine. She woke up the next morning completely cured. Miriam's miraculous cure was the miracle that led to his canonization in 1977. Now, these healings are not just in Lebanon. Around the world. In Arizona. Hello to all our Arizonians. A woman there said she was fully healed after venerating the relics of St. Charbel. Let's talk about this. Physicians cannot explain why this woman who was completely blind, completely regained her eyesight, fully restored after prayers to St. Charbel. Here's her picture. This is Daphne Gutierrez, and she lived with an, um, a disease called Arno Chiari malformation. She had it since she was 13. God bless her. So just two years ago, she lost her vision, all right, in her left eye and then in her right eye the following year. Doctors inserted a shunt to try to relieve the pressure, causing vice-gripping headaches. It all failed. She was inflicted with tinnitus, with vomiting, dizziness, seizures, blindness. All of a sudden, she heard that the relics of St. Charbel were coming, the same relics that healed a blind boy in Mexico. So she prayed, prayed, touched the relics. Not only was her vision restored, they were restored to 2020 inexplicably, according to Dr. Ann Boric. So this is amazing because the pressure in her brain was to the point where it damaged the optic nerve. I don't want to get into tons of science here, but I think it's important to mention because it shows it's impossible. But it, it was so bad, it damaged the optic nerve. And after this happened, the optic nerve looked completely normal. No signs of damage. The doctor, Boric, said there's nothing in medical literature that anything like this has ever, ever happened before. Amazing. She said that a long-standing damaged optic nerve causing blindness, quote, does not just all of a sudden look normal in two days with complete restoration of vision. It's impossible. According to the medical committee, again, the medical committee that analyzes, this, quote, listen to this. This is incredible. This is why they did not use this one for her beatification or her canonization, because listen to what the medical committee said. They became followers of St. Charbel. Quote, we have no medical explanation and therefore believe this to be a miraculous healing through the intercession of St. Charbel. That was the medical committee. They were probably never picked again to do an analysis because they all of a sudden found their faith. How incredible is that? How super cool 
that they gave recognition to St. Charbel. Probably risked their, this was probably before the woke thing, but how powerful. Now, a 45-year-old Italian woman suffered from a neurological disease, and after she discovered it, she was hospitalized for trying to take her life. She was very depressed. She drank acid because she was so depressed when she found out that she had a terminal disease. The damage to her esophagus and intestines, we don't have this woman's name and that's okay. You don't need to. But the damage to her esophagus and intestines was beyond repair, according to the whole medical staff. But the woman's parents started doing what Jim Massery just did, called all their relatives in Lebanon. And all the relatives said, you have one answer. And they were like, okay, get some new medicine, get this. They said, Charbel. Charbel. A religious sister of the Maronite Rite heard of this and sent the parents the holy oil from St. Charbel. And once they spread that oil on the daughter's stomach, chest, and throat, and her head, she's completely cured. Amazing. So there are three main ways of the thousands of miracles that they group into. Cures through his blessed oil, through his cassock, and through visiting his tomb. Let's talk about a little bit of this and then we're done. The blessed oil. I just gave you one. But then there's Claudia Elcori. She suffered from cancer that reached her bones as well as deep into her spinal cord. It became the most advanced stage. After taking the blessed oil from the tomb of St. Charbel and putting it on her body, completely cured. Rafik Jean Camis. Rafik was in a car accident. All right. His brain was damaged and he entered into a coma for 21 days. After losing all hope in his recovery, his aunt contacted a nun who brought them hope. And she put blessed oil from the tomb of St. Charbel in his mouth. Instantly, he opened his eyes and was recovered. Again, remember, this is not magic this is not a magic wand. God is at the ceiling. We're using the intercession of the saints. Then there's Fadi Meshleb, who fell from a third floor, third story, and was brain damaged. He was in intensive care for 40 days, and doctors removed the serum so that he could die normally. But before he died, his parents rubbed his head with blessed oil from the tomb of St. Charbel. The blood all of a sudden started circulating again in his brain. And then he couldn't speak after not speaking for a year and a half, fully healed. What about the miraculous cassock? You know what a cassock is? That's the black kind of robe that you'll see some priests wearing the Jesuits were once called the black robes when they were here in the New World. It's the full-length cassock in Rome. You'll see the priests walking around. They have the full-length black robe. That's a cassock. There is healing 
from the Cossacks from his monastery. I've never heard this before. So Bolus Atia in 1999 had a heart attack and underwent all the medical exams and testings, put the stent in, said he started to pray. Then heard a voice telling him, stand up, Bolus. He said he stood up and saw a monk. And the monk said, do you believe? That's the key. You will be in good health. The following day, the smell of incense was spread throughout the whole house, but he never burned any incense. Then he made a vow to St. Charbel that he wore the cassock from his monastery for three months. <laughs> now, don't go around impersonating a priest. But on June 22nd, he said, we decided to go and visit the monasteries of St. Charbel, St. Niamatala, and St. Rafka. In the evening, in my dream, notice the dream here, dream theme, dream theme. I saw these three saints. He asked to take the cassock off. They said, keep it on a bit longer. He did. Act of obedience. Completely cured. Then there's Fatin Tanuas from Toronto. His daughter, Sanine, got head cancer. And the surgery could have been very dangerous and the consequences could have been paralysis and sterility. So he called, guess what? His parents in Lebanon. So they sent him a cassock. So, Jim, I'm going to ask you how your friends can send me a cassock from the, <laughs> from the monastery at St. Marin. First, his daughter refused to wear it. But further, on his assistance, she wore it two days before the surgery. In the evening, she felt a burning in her head where the tumor was located. And then she said to her father, I believe. I can smell an antiseptic odor. Her father answered, St. Charbel did a miracle for you because you wore the cassock. <laughs> Afterwards, she went, underwent the surgery. They found no cancer. They found no cancer. Brother Paul tells an amazing story on our prayer line. It's on one of our uh, EWTN shows. Brother Paul tells the story that they received a call on our prayer line to pray for a young man. If I remember correctly, Brother Paul can correct me, but I thought it was to the intercession of St. Charbel. He had lungs full of cancer or um, pneumonia or disease, whatever it was, it was fatal. Lungs completely full. They weren't even going to operate. But they decided to try. They rushed him in, laid him out on the table. The doctor cuts him open after we Marian helpers and the Marian prayer line had been praying for this young man for weeks up until his surgery because they knew he was getting sicker, sicker. The doctor cuts him open and there's nothing. And the doctor said, excuse my language because I don't mean this irreverently, but this was his words. Oh my God, we have the wrong guy. 
we have the wrong guy. They didn't. It was completely cured. Because belief that as a Marian helper, our prayers for one another, our prayers for each other, our belief in the power of God. And again, we emphasize if he does not cure you, that doesn't mean he doesn't love you or that you didn't get heard. It just means he's going to bring a greater good out of something some other way that he allows it in his ordained will. God does not want your suffering, disease, or death, but in his permissive will, he will allow it. But as this prayer is, if we've been telling you before, please, St. Charbel, intercede to either cure me or give me the grace to bear my sufferings. Amazing. All right. So afterwards, again, no cancer. All right. Finally, the other way that huge grace is through St. Charbel, visiting his tomb. Visiting his tomb. This is how one of our miracles for St. Faustina the beatification, Maureen Digan. Bob and Maureen Digan went to the tomb of St. Faustina. She had lymphedemia or whatever it's called, incurable. And her son, Bobby, sick. Both of them cured at visiting the tomb of St. Faustina. That became the, the, the approved prayer for her beatification. 1993 was the beatification of St. Faustina. Now, George Michael Ibrahim, he got cancer in his neck. Undergoing a lot of tests, they decided to do surgery in order to ablate the tumor and do afterwards severe chemotherapy and radiotherapy. However, before entering the hospital, he wanted to see his mom in Lebanon because he said he might not ever see her again. So guess what she did? She took him to the tomb of St. Charbel. She took him to the tomb and she brought blessed oil. She got it there and rubbed his neck, asking for the intercession of St. Charbel. Now, guess what, everybody? He didn't say, I believe. Okay, somebody's telling me to believe. Guess who did say, I believe? His mom. This is the amazing power of intercessory prayer. This is the whole meaning of the four men in the paralytic. My favorite passage in the gospel, other than John 6 and the resurrection, is the four men in the paralytic. I love that passage. Put it in my book. It is so powerful. What is the four men in the paralytic? The sick man on the mat was so sick. His four friends wanted to get him to Jesus. They couldn't. The crowd was so great. So they got up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof, and lowered the man down at the feet of Jesus. What happened? Jesus stopped. Jesus looked at the man. The man's laying on the mat. Now, Jesus cured that man on the mat, but did Jesus look at the man and say, your faith has healed you? No. He looked up at the four men. And guess what Jesus said? Your faith has healed this man. Your faith can heal your loved ones and even more importantly, bring them back to the church. The prayer that we pray every day at three o'clock that we just rattle off of our lips, oh blood and water which gush forth from the heart of Jesus and font to mercy for us, I trust in you. You know what Father Seraphim used to teach of all the things Father Seraphim used to lecture me at the dinner table? 
there was one more than any other. That three o'clock old blood and water prayer is for the conversion of sinners. You praying it for them. Even if they don't have. Our faith is so great. Our God is so merciful. Our God is so incredible that he'll even let your faith help heal and convert their lack of faith. You can't get any more incredible than that. Our God could easily say, sorry, you're a goner. You don't have an ounce. And many times that it will happen. That's if nobody prays for them. That's why Mary said that many souls, most souls go to hell because there's nobody to pray for them. Are we praying for our lost loved ones? We just finished recording an EWTN show about how to bring your loved ones back to the church. It'll air in about a month. We had an incredible guest, Brandon Vaught. Works uh, uh, amazing in this field. He's a writer. And, and bringing your loved ones back to the faith. How many of us, I do the big four, do the big four. I always, my always big four, big four saints, big four devotions, big four plenary indulgences, and the big four ways to bring your loved ones back to the church. One, have masses said for them. I was on my pilgrimage to France a while ago. And this one, Father, please, please help, help. How do I bring my son back to the church? First question I ask, how many masses have you had for him? None. Start there. Second, pray the rosary and the chaplet. The rosary and the chaplet. They're like the two parts of the mass. You've heard me say this. The first part of the mass is liturgy of the word. It's like liturgy or meditation on scripture. What is the rosary? Rosary is not a bunch of Hail Marys. The rosary is meditation on scripture. The visitation of Mary. The presentation in the temple. The scourging at the pillar. The curing of the cross. These are all scriptural. So the, pray the rosary. It's like liturgy of the word, the first part of the mass. What's the second part of the mass? Liturgy of the Eucharist. What happens in liturgy of the Eucharist? Priest offers sacrifice. What is the chaplet of divine mercy? The priest, you in your common priesthood, not ministerial priesthood, by purpose of your baptism, you are priest, prophet, king. You pray the chaplet, you are offering sacrifice. Eternal Father, I offer you the body, blood, soul, and divinity. You are offering sacrifice. So two, pray the rosary and the chaplet. Three, let them see your joy. Now, how many people are going to be super excited to go to mass with you when you get up in the morning and go, oh, yeah, we're going to miss the game. We got to go to church. Want to go? Do you really think that that's going to get anybody to want to go with you? Nobody's going to want to go with you. You got to have the joy. You got to let them see your joy. I think about incredible people that we have right at our Marian Helper Center. Like Barb on our prayer line. She was non-Catholic for years. And she has some, you know, prayer intentions a mile wide. Not just for people who call her, but for her own family. She's got the weight of the world on her shoulders. What she is dealing with is so amazing. But every time you see Barbara, she's got this giant smile. I always say she reminds me of a kindergarten teacher. She's the quintessential kindergarten teacher. The most warm, loving, and fuzzy you could ever imagine. Now, if Barb comes up to you and says, 
oh my gosh, the mass is the most incredible thing in the world. You can't believe what it has done for me. I would love to share that with you because I love you and I have found it's changed my life. It's enabled me to handle so many difficulties. I would be so honored if you would come to mass with me. Notice the difference. See your joy. Then fourth, you got to offer sacrifices for them. How serious are we about bringing our loved ones back if we don't offer sacrifice? Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, we don't offer sacrifice for them. If we don't, Jesus told St. Faustina, we just put this in the EWTN show, the conversion of every soul demands sacrifice. Jesus said this. All right, so amazing stuff. Almost done here. All right, so anyway, back to this lady. I'm sorry. So he went to his mom all right, <clears throat> she got the blessed oil and she asked for the intercession. When he came back to Canada, he went to the hospital and underwent the medical tests that revealed that he was in great health and there was no more need for the surgery. It was gone. He became a believer through her faith. He returned to Lebanon in Thanksgiving and visited the monastery of St. Marin at the tomb of St. Charbel and submitted the medical proof of his miracle. One of the 26 to 29,000. Unbelievable. Okay, just a couple more. Count Lancelot. Now, this is one of my favorites because he's from the royal family in Belgium. Non-Catholic. His mother was sterile before he was born. She came to Lebanon to take pictures for a book. No, I'm sorry, she was Christian. I take that. She wasn't Catholic, I don't think, but she was Christian. So on her visit in 1950, she went to the tomb of St. Charbel, and there she was surprised to see 70 Muslim women. And guess what they were doing? They were kneeling at his tomb. Now remember, kneeling and bowing does not mean worship. What do you do before you go before the king and queen of England to be knighted? You kneel. It doesn't mean you're worshiping the king and queen of England. No king now, but you know what I mean. Then she asked one of the Muslim women, how come as a Muslim, you kneel and pray to a Christian saint? And she answered, St. Charbel is for all people as he heals the sick Christians and non-Christians as well. That's enough faith to God to plant the seed, right, for conversion later. His mother was so impressed that on the spot she asked the intercession of St. Charbel so that she could conceive. I mean, this is a do-all saint here. She took blessed oil and blessed blood from the saint. And when she returned back to Belgium, she went to see her doctor. At first, tests were negative, no baby. But she came back and then put on her belly the blessed oil, which she hadn't done before, and then deeply believed in the intercession of the saint. He wasted no time. Nine months later, she had Lancelot. <laughs> Amazing. 
I don't know how anybody could hear this documented, medically proven stories and not have even this much belief. And we pray. Okay, the next one. Sleeman, Zahir Aiden. His hand completely paralyzed for 16 years. He asked his neighbor to take him to a visit to the tomb of St. Charbel. St. Charbel doesn't waste any time. When he got in the car with the intent and the belief, he felt an ache in his hand. When he got to the monastery, he went straight to the tomb and asked St. Charbel to heal him if it be God's will. <clears throat> and while he was praying, his hand all of a sudden started moving in all directions. Amazing. Fadi Najib Meshkeb fell nine meters and was paralyzed. His mother prayed to St. Charbel and asked him to eagerly heal her son. Again, like the four men in the paralytic. After visiting the tomb of St. Charbel, he was completely healed and the healing was medically registered. Again, the faith of the mom. And last miracle, Lena Ibrahim Abu Faraj, breast cancer. I put this one in there because we know so many beautiful women that have breast cancer. Very, very, very hard. She went with her husband to visit the tomb of St. Charbel, asking his intercession, and she got blessed oil. The following day, they put it on her, and they went to the hospital in order to go the final test to set the date for surgery. Shocked, the results revealed there was no cancer whatsoever. All this is medically documented. These are not just the words of the people. Well, you know, I, you know, nobody saw me before, but I claim a healing. No, these were all medically proven. All right, so we're going to finish now with a prayer. And before we do, please remember, we are never guaranteed a miracle. There may be reasons that we have no idea why God asks us to carry this share of the cross. Actually, believe it or not, as ironic as that sounds, that's a greater grace. It's actually a greater grace to be asked and given a share of Christ's cross that you continue to carry then be healed. But does that mean we shouldn't ask for healing or believe that we can be healed? Exactly, we should. What did Jesus pray in the garden? Lord, please let this cup pass me by, but not my will be done, your will be done. So please, as again, we're not ever guaranteed a miracle when praying to God through a saint. The process can transform your hearts and help you to be prepared for whatever God's plan is ahead of, ahead of you. May include healing, it may not. What we're going to do right now on the screen, Brother Mark's going to put up the Novena prayer to St. Charbel. This is the final and last listing of ways healing have come about. The oil, the cassock, visiting the tomb, and reciting the Novena. This is the Novena to St. Charbel that you should turn to in time of need. Let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Lord, infinitely holy and glorified in your saints. You have inspired Charbel, the saint monk, to lead the perfect life of a hermit. We thank you for granting him the blessing and the strength to detach himself from the world so that the heroism of the monastic virtues of poverty, obedience, and chastity could triumph in his hermitage. We beseech you to grant us the grace of loving and serving you. Following his example, Almighty God, who has manifested the power of St. Charbel's intercession through his countless miracles and favors, please grant us now this grace we ask in the silence of our hearts. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I was going to end there, but I guess we have just a couple minutes. I, I would like to share um, Our Lady of Lebanon. This is, I think, of Mark, Mastery. And this is a Lebanese shrine to Mary where she waited for Jesus on his trip to Tyre and Sidon. Remember in the gospel, Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon. People don't realize Jesus was in Syria and Lebanon. The Lebanese have always had a special devotion to the Blessed Mother Mary. So much that she is honored as Our Lady of Lebanon, the patron saint of the country. The reasons for this devotion can be found, and this is powerful stuff, that while she was alive, Our Lady visited Lebanon with Jesus. Let's look at our last slide of the presentation. Isn't that an incredible picture of Mary sitting? In the village of Magodiche is located a very special sanctuary dedicated to the Virgin of Montara. It's called Our Lady of Waiting. I've never heard of Our Lady of Waiting. Boy, could she help me with my impatience. Our Lady of Waiting. This is the place Our Lady stayed awaiting the return of Jesus who had gone to Tyre and Sidon in Matthew 15, 21. 
300 years later, Constantine's mom, St. Helen, St. Helena of Constantinople, donated an icon to the sanctuary where it remains to this day. The place is now called the Shrine of Our Lady of Montara, or again, Our Lady of Waiting. How many of us struggle with impatience? Impatience in traffic, impatience with your children, impatience for me with brothers, with family. Our Lady of Waiting, pray for us. The Melkite Catholics live in this village and care for the shrine. And guess what monks did Mark Massery's 40 masses? The Melkite monks. We're waiting for the day where we were united with Mark. How amazing. The majority of these Lebanese Christians are direct descendants of the first Christians. And Sidon is now 90% Muslim. But they all say there, we live in charity together with our Christian brothers. Let us pray for their conversion. Let us pray for Christ to conquer all hearts. And let us ask Our Lady of Waiting to give us the patience when we too want a conversion of our loved ones or a return to the faith or even an end of an estranged relationship. How amazing is this saint? Today, many places in the world are celebrating his feast day. If you notice that little tiny print on the bottom of that novena, it said July 23rd. Today is July 23rd. Technically, his feast day is July 24th on our calendar. But since that's on a Sunday, let's celebrate. Let's turn to him today. And part of this is intercessory prayer. And so with it, we have a saint who will intercede for us, who will bless us, guide us, and protect us. Not him, but God. And God has always used his saints, his angels and his saints, to bring his messages to the world. Praise be to God for those gifts. And so we praise God, too, for you being a member of our Marian family, praying for each other, you guys praying for us, you praying and supporting our ministry, but most importantly, we praying for you, giving you a share in our the graces of our masses, rosaries, prayers, and penances. Please, if you're not a member of our family, if Brother Mark can put it up, please become a member of our Marian family. It only takes a few minutes. It doesn't cost anything, and I can promise you, you don't ever have to donate a dollar. I, I mean, I care. We still have to have the lights on, but what's most important is your soul. Don't you worry a thing if you can never give a dollar. That doesn't matter. And for those who can, God has graced us to be able to provide through them. 
But if you can't, that's okay. I still want you to share in these graces. Please share in these graces. When you're a Marian helper, you share in the graces of our rosaries, our prayers, our penances, our masses, just like you were a Marian priest or brother. The Marian helpers are, uh, uh, by decree of the Holy See, a spiritual benefit society. And you can be part of our Marian family. We'd love to have you. God bless you. And then if you're in the Buffalo area, the next couple slides, on August 27th, we're bringing back our Marian Divine Mercy Conference. We've been doing this conference for years, even before I was a Marian, and we haven't done it in this last several years. It is back. So please, if you know anybody in Lackawanna, New York, or Buffalo, New York, Kathy Walbeck and the Holy Face Ministries helping out, please give them a call or call us or visit thedivinemercy.org slash buffalo. And then lastly, we've been talking a lot about Lebanon today, as we should. God bless them. But don't forget our United States. And on your screen is the Immaculate Conception patroness of the United States. And you can get her to protect your home and our country. These are amazing images that we make right here. Canvas, beautiful gallery wrapped. And I know my staff always tells me, Father, don't keep doing this. But if you truly will hang it, you truly will put it and you will truly believe in the help of Our Lady, but you can't afford it, I will send it to you for free. I will send it for free. That's how much we need to change this world to get these graces of protection through St. Charbel, St. or Our Lady. So again, the information's there on your screen. You can order at shopmercy.com, keyword patroness, or call us at 800 462 7426. God bless all of you. Thank you so much for coming. Special thank you to Jim Mastery and his family. And thank you for your prayers for Mark. Because you pray for Mark, the quicker we get him into heaven, if he's not there already, he's going to pray for us. And he is. So please be part of this family. Let's pray for Mark, pray for you, pray for all of our priests and brothers. And let's get this thing changed. Let's get this turned around. It only takes a few truly believing people to move mountains. And I know we have them. God bless you. Thank you very, very much. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. 
simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.